What's up viewers and listeners, my name is Jay. I'm a registered nutritionist based here in Bristol, working with BJJ enthusiasts across the globe. On today's episode, we have Dr. Emily Isles on the show. Emily is a brown belt competitor underneath Pedro Bessa and has competed at IBJJF Worlds and Euro, AJP, Grapplefest and Enyo. I first met Emily at Sweatbox Gym in Bristol when I was a white belt. In today's episode, we talk about female weight categories, fasting for competitions, the menstrual cycle, some awkward moments between female to male coaching, Olympic lifting, and a nice coffee and pastry review at the end. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, if you're not subscribed, please click that button and turn on notifications for any further updates. Thank you for your time and watching and listening. Have a great rest of your listen. Oos. Trying to mute my phone quickly or mute me. Oh no, no, no. No notification. No. I, I need to make sure. Well, no one calls me anyways. It's fine. It's fine. Do not disturb, right? That's all. Oh, so that's clever. Oh, I'm so stupid. Damn, put, put that as the introduction. I mean, it's recording. I know, that's why it's I was like, fine. I'm so it's stupid. Good. Right, here we are, guys. Episode three. Um, my name's Jay. I'm the host of the BJJ Nutrition Podcast. Uh, I run the BDL Nutrition Consultancy. Uh, we like to help, obviously, athletes within the BJJ community uh, perform to their best standards and not do anything silly with their weight cuts. I am here today with Dr. Emily. Um, it's been lovely, obviously, to get her on board and chat about her experiences, what she's done in the past, obviously, with her own nutrition. But obviously, we're going to talk about some other topics that are around and about in the jiu-jitsu community at the moment. So, Emily, welcome. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself and sort of your background and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, so I'm Emily. I'm from Canada. Uh, people think I'm American, but that's fine. Um, I, I'm introduced as doctor because I have a PhD, so I'm not a medical doctor. Um, and in my job, I do kind of public health research with statistics, um, but we're going to talk about jujitsu. So I'm a jujitsu <laughs> brown belt. Um, and I got all of my belts under Pedro Bessa in Bristol, but I started jujitsu in Canada with Jeff Jocelyn, who's an Alliance black belt. He's incredible. Look him up um, in my hometown of Hamilton, Ontario. Nice. Awesome. Um, so obviously you're out and about quite a lot in terms of the competitive scene. It's not just local. It's not just like small competitions. You're doing lovely big international competitions. Um, What's your preference? Do you prefer local, nice little ones, or do you prefer going to the big stage straight away all the time, or what, what, what would be your preferred one? I mean, I like I like the vibes everywhere. I think it's different sorts of vibes. Like, the local tournaments are really cozy and really nice, and, you know, I, I like the crowd there, because everyone yeah. kind of knows each other. The international tournaments are also really fun, because, like, now, once you do more of them, you start knowing people, so you meet people you know and you don't get to see very much so I have a lot of friends who I only see at like Worlds or something like that and that's, that's also cool. really great and also the atmosphere is completely different like at Worlds in the Pyramid it's just so different and then when you're like you're down in that like because like the the seats are like this well the mats are just like in this sort of recess I think that's not quite the right word <laughs> but um, <That's> right. <laughs> you step onto the mat you can just feel this difference in the air and it's just it's great it's incredible sounds, sounds like a coliseum like everyone's yeah. there like <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> lucky there's no guy in the middle just going like <laughs> yeah and on the black belt day like on the black belt final day it is rammed and the, it's it's amazing oh, yeah that's awesome out of interest then obviously when you when you obviously were out on the competition scene what point did you say right okay i, I appreciate obviously you're from canada obviously went back home with your family and that, that type of thing at what point did you say, okay, let's move away from the local competition and go onto the bigger platform and be more international, bigger, bigger things? Was there a sort of tipping moment for yourself at all? Or I think, like, just Euros 2018, like, I don't think, I can't even remember how I did or who I fought, which is pretty wild, but I've done so many <laughs> tournaments. And that was at Blue Belt, and I just, I got home and I was like, I think I just want to try harder and try more. And I was like, okay, I want to win Worlds. And so that's what I've been trying to do ever since. I just, like, <laughs> kind of decided... Um, I just was like, yeah, okay, let's just blast this. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I love it. So within the competitions that you've done, have you always stayed within the same weight category or is it moved um, at all? Or? I think maybe nowadays it's a bit different, especially at like white and blue belt. There's a lot more girls fighting, but a lot of the time I'm sort of like around middleweight, which is around 70 kilos, though I have to like for the middleweight for women, it's 69 kilos. So I have to lose a little weight to make the gi weight. Um, and I've done medium heavy as well, um, and then I've had to do heavyweight and super heavyweight, um, often due to lack of opponents. And it happens, <laughs> it happens now too. So in AJP, the weight classes are 70 and 95 kilos, 
and I've had to go up to 95 kilos in smaller tournaments. And it's also mixed brown and black belt. So you get there and you're like, oh, I've got to find a 95 kilo black belt. This is fun. It's actually fun though. I really like it. Yeah. I mean, you kind of like no fear, only dreams. That's such a big jump though, 70 to 95. That's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> like, are they, is there just not that much middle ground? I think, between, or? I think realistically the problem is a lot of girls will try to be lower. Yep. Um, though I've noticed there's kind of a recent trend. Some of the women I know who've been historically in lighter weight classes have moved up. So I think a lot of women have decided, actually, no, I'm not going to like do hard cuts anymore. Or I'm going to just be like a bit more chill. Mm. But I think in, as you get over 70, it kind of thins out. Like the, there's less women. Um, I think there should maybe, in IBJJF actually, the max weight class is 79. And then above that is just unlimited. For AJP, 95 is like the cutoff, so you can't be any heavier than that. Um, but I think there should either be one more intermediate class or the yeah. 70 kilo class should move up. So I have <laughs> thought about this a bit, and I think they should change the weight classes. Yeah. Um, so the current ones are 49, 55, 62, 70, and 95. And that's without the gi. I think they should probably change it to something like 50, 57, like 63 or 64, 72, and then 95 or 72 or 73. Because I know a couple women who do just like blast cut down to 70 because they let you weigh in the day before. Yeah, especially, obviously, and that's, well, again, the conversation. Obviously. And also 95 for me, sorry. <laughs> 95 for, for brown and black belt has Gabby Pisania and Yarosaurus and like some monsters. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It, it do, I don't understand why they haven't put these in sooner because do you feel like, Again, obviously, I know you said you're happy to do 95, obviously, against someone, another female black belt, for example. But do you think that will off-put some other female athletes to think, well, I'm stuck between 70 and 95 right now, let's say 80 or 79, let's say? I think the ones who really want to do it will still do it. But I think some, maybe at the lower levels, would not decide not to do that tournament series if they're between 70 and 95. Yeah, it just seems a little bit... Way yeah, too far. I, I think I think in jujitsu, like people tend to be fairly gung ho. Like I think coaches would tend to encourage it. Yeah. Unless you were like seventy two, then they'd probably maybe suggest you lose the weight. No, it makes sense. Sort of depends on the person. No, I can understand. Um, out of interest, then obviously you said you've had to change your weight sometimes. Obviously, bring things down. You said you've spoken to a few different female athletes or no female athletes who have done some extreme weight cuts if you want to do that type of thing what sort of methodologies have you learned from in terms of sort of mistakes and things like that or have you all been always been quite comfortable in what you've been doing so far or um obviously earlier on i just kind of like made it up um <laughs> <laughs> and that tends to just be like oh i just won't eat for like three days and that's doable um and people do that nowadays as like a fast um and you do get this kind of state where you're like i don't actually don't even want to eat anything anymore and you feel like very like zen but it's not super healthy um, I would not suggest doing that unless someone's paying you. And I think a lot of women and just people in general just won't do the cut because you don't get paid. No. For AJP, I think it's worth it because um, there is prize money and a ranking system that involves prize money. Sure. And other incentives like, um, do you know Anna Rodriguez, A-Rod? She's a black belt featherweight. She just won pants. Yep. Um, she posted her weight cut like after, after process. So she cut to 55. Mm -hmm. And then overnight, she regained to 59 kilos. Okay, so she pulled yeah. four, four kilograms overnight. Yeah. Okay, that's quite, I'd say that's pretty standard. I've seen some like other yeah. bigger numbers where people, not to say from females, from male athletes as well, where it's gone up nine, 10 kilograms the day after, obviously if it's day before weighing. Yeah, this type but of thing. she, um, by doing that, she won like, I think three or four grand. I can't remember what the prize money for that category was because okay. AJP bases the prize money on um, number of competitors. So it doesn't matter the gender, it just matters how many people are in the category. That's interesting. So is yeah. there, was there more female competitors in AGP, AGP, do you think, obviously, compared to other um, competitors? I think the incentives are there for brown and black belts. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people will avoid 95 again, especially at brown and black, because of Gary Pisania. Like, she just wrecks people. <laughs> I can imagine. Get comfortable in yeah. that weight category. And it's kind of your own, isn't it? And taking ownership of it altogether. Yeah. You do, sorry, you do get this thing with heavyweight or super heavyweight jiu-jitsu where people are like, oh, they're just like overweight and they're not very strong and like you're definitely, you're faster. Mm. Like may, maybe at white belt and blue belt, but like as you get better, it's just like they're just going to be bigger and way more jacked and you're like, I, that's, yeah. I just got to deal with it. <laughs> it's like a kind of a, a false, um, false saying, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's again, <clears throat> there's 
something that I personally believe in is that obviously through, especially the sort of the lower ranks and stuff like that, that if you are going to be a heavyweight, my personal preference is not just to be the overweight heavyweight, right? Yeah. And be an athletic heavyweight because it's going to play more to your advantage, obviously longer term all of a sudden and not just rely purely on strength, but movement, agility and all these type of things altogether. But no, you're very much right, yeah. obviously, when it comes to that, it's trying to find that nice balance for it. Um, so you mentioned three-day fasting. Obviously, that must have been tricky in places, obviously, to try and manage that. What, what, how long were you doing that before you kind of really realised, uh, do you know what, this is not really working out for me that well? Uh, I just think I started doing more, like, SNC, and I kind of got better idea of how my body works, which you do when you, like, cut and weigh yourself a lot. Don't weigh yourself every day. I used to. I managed to stop doing that, like, two months ago. Yeah. But... Um, I have like such a good idea of how much I weigh and what I need to eat to like drop my weight that like most of it's just like stop eating croissants, mate. Um, <laughs> I forgot you're the pastry connoisseur. I love pastries. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like you get these skills where you're a bit like this probably isn't good, but I can do like I can grab my stomach and guess my weight within about a hundred grams, and I'm usually I don't think I've ever been wrong. I haven't got that power. Is that, is yeah, that's, that's the power you get from weighing yourself every day for like six years. Don't do it. Oh, wow. Okay. Out of interest, then, obviously, you mentioned weighing yourself every day. Was that even outside of like competitions as well? You were just yeah, so I just weigh myself after training every day. After training every day. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Again, from my approach and how I generally deal with clients, and obviously, again, listeners and viewers, obviously, don't be put off by this. For me, it's like data points and data tracking yeah. all the time. And sometimes that emotional connection to it, obviously outside of competition environment, is what can be damaging to a lot of people, if that makes sense. And so it's trying to find that fine line of saying, okay, fine, if it's affecting you emotionally as to where you feel you should be and how that's impacting the rest of your day all of a sudden, then fine. There's other methodologies around it we can look at straight away. From my point, it's just efficiency and effectiveness. Um, I'm sure, obviously, from your background, if you had a lab rat, right, and told it to run on the wheel for an hour every day and fed it only a certain amount of food, you'd expect some sort of result. And if the results are not there, you start to make sort of finer adjustments around it. But to make the adjustments, you need the data behind it to see what's going on, if that makes sense. So Yeah, again, I mean, for me, if I am trying to make weight for a tournament, I will go back to it. But I realized I was just doing it and I didn't, really know why I was doing it anymore okay but when I'm doing it for a competition I will just um see where I'm at and sure. then I can make adjustments like if I I'm going with friends and then I can decide like oh I can just eat what I like when I go with my friends yeah. which is amazing or I'm like oh maybe I should like not get you know like something fried I'll get something like salady but I actually really like salady food so nothing wrong with greens at the end of the day I love greens I eat, I eat vegetables though pretty much every meal ah, super. not that's, enough protein that's a big tip definitely <laughs> from a nutrition standpoint but no, that's good to hear I think like as you mentioned outside of competition there should be no reason for it if that makes sense if yeah. you're not trying to manipulate your weight be that build weight or obviously maintain it or lose weight once you're outside of that and you have no purpose behind it there isn't really a benefit to it unless yeah. like I said there's a reason why a purpose for what you're doing then no that's fully understandable Obviously, you said it took you a little while to sort of move away from that. Was, yeah. was there like a light bulb moment where you were like kind of saying, I actually... I kind of realized, I think it's sort of that behavior that came from an unhealthy place. Like, as a behavior, like, it's fine because for me, like, I don't really have a problem with my parents. Um, and I don't think my weight is linked to that. So it's not necessarily like a body thing. Mm. But, like, I just realized it's, I'm not, there's no reason for what I'm doing. So I need to change that. But I'm once I stick, like, start a routine, I get really stuck in it. And that's that's can be really good. Yeah. So it means like I can decide, okay, I'm gonna compete and I'm gonna just go and do it. But it also means that if I'm sort of in a cycle of behavior where I'm like, this isn't benefiting me, it can be hard to get out of it. Sure. No, I can understand. It, obviously, we're all habit creatures yeah. of habit. We do things obviously all the time, even if they're not productive with some of these habits, may I say. So no, yeah. no it's interesting. So in terms of your competing career then, would you say the majority of it, you've always had to lose a bit of weight to get on the mat in a sense? Or has it always been a mixture of like, actually fine, I'm in the white, right, white, the right weight category? Or have you got ever gone up? Obviously, other than 95, as you kind of mentioned, there, is it, there's, has there been like one camp more than the other, if that makes sense? Or? Um, I would say I've probably lost weight more. Um, for AJP, it was good because it's way in without the gi. So I tend to sit below 70 without the gi anyways. Nice. So that I... If I would travel, I worry a little, like, what if I suddenly gained, like, 500 grams, and then, like, I'm overweight, um, which never happens, but you have this, like, fear. 
Um, but for Euros, I moved up to 74, and I actually felt quite good at that, though I did weigh in at like 71 in the gi or 70 <laughs> in the gi, and I was like, I probably could have cut. But, you know, the middleweight category is full of killers as well, so the both categories are really good. One of the reasons early on I started cutting a little bit is because either I had to go up really high mm. or, like, there just wasn't anyone. So you had to lose weight in order to be able to compete. That's a really shame. Like you're being forced to do stuff based on obviously how many people you got available. I mean, now, no one's holding a gun to your head. No, but it's still at the same time. Like I appreciate, as with everyone I've spoken to, is the fact that the experience, the rank belt, you go up. Okay, you've just minimised your pull a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> you then obviously got age in there, and then obviously to top it on there, and it shouldn't be the case. Obviously, being a female competitor, you're pool just gets even smaller each and every time all of a sudden as you sort of go up from there. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's also like you get older through time, which sounds really silly now I say it out loud, but like people, you know, their lives change over time. They get families, they like move, they like, you know, it's a hobby. Some people just don't want to do it anymore and that's fine too. That's interesting. You're the second person to say, obviously, this is just a hobby. At the end of the day, you're not being paid for it. Enough, I, I mean, I have been, I've been paid a little bit now, but... <laughs> Got a big deal in here, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> not a lot. Not a lot. A little bit. Still, we're getting paid any, any of us in this room right now type of thing. I've <laughs> not got a single penny. <laughs> um, but... Again, like I said, it just is so strange to see that. Again, not strange. I don't. I don't obviously. I don't obviously agree with it in the sense that you're having. You're being f not say forced. Obviously, as you mentioned, there's no guns your head, but your decisions are somewhat manipulated based on what is out there available for you. And so, yeah. it, it, it's a bit. It's a shame because there should be just more categories and obviously some more people out there for you to go go up against. If that makes sense. And do you feel like? I know we touched on it pre, obviously recording this, but females obviously in jujitsu. Is there anything we can do to encourage more to get more competition competitors out there type of thing? Or this is probably this is probably uh, maybe going to be a bit controversial. Oh, we love controversial. Haha, it's, uh -huh, it's a podcast. Let's be controversial. <laughs> um, the tournaments that I think do it really well give free or discounted registration to women to encourage them to come out, and then I don't know if if they have they will have the data if that encourages women to do those tournaments again paid. So you essentially have a subsidy for women, and I know a lot of men won't think that's fair, and it is not fair, but equity is also trying to um, change those fairnesses. So it's not really like men are being like, no woman, you can't compete. I don't think it has anything to do with men. Just to encourage more women to compete, I think that would be helpful. I did a couple tournaments where I had free registration because they were doing free registration for women. I think it was Grappling Industries nice. in like 2014 or 2015, which is a really long time ago. And another one, or I think some tournaments, they do give um, free or cheap registration to higher belts. So not even bringing woman, womanness into it, but like giving free or discounted registration to higher belts. I think Empire does that, though I think they had to dial it back a little because people were taking the piss. Um, so I think it was free, and I think now it's a discount. But Jake's a really cool guy. The Empire guys are really cool, so... <laughs> shout, out shout out shout out love it but yeah i think those sorts of things and then gyms maybe i think sometimes competition training can be hard for women because you want to go hard and i do go quite hard but like men are big and very strong and it just wears on your body a lot and you don't sometimes you just can't execute very much in the session because the pool you have means like your window of opportunity and timing to hit techniques is so small that you have to be very good to do it. Mm. And even then, like, you know, if someone's like way bigger than you can just be like, nah. <laughs> so I think that can be quite discouraging as well. And I don't mean you have to like treat women very softly, but I think people just need to speak more and be more realistic about how training sessions go. Like sometimes I won't even like I might get a sweep, but it's you know, a very like, you know, like in Kill Bill when she's in the coffin underground and she's like punching through the air and trying to like <laughs> dig through the, like that's that's what my jiu-jitsu against big guys feels like. <laughs> and then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I, and I mean like, <laughs> I, I mean, don't mean like huge, like 100 kilo guys. I mean like standard, normal size men. They're just, they're just big and strong. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> sorry, I went off on a really big tangent, that but yeah, I feel like the Kill Bill metaphor is like 90% of my jujitsu, which is why it looks a little bit sloppy. So it's interesting you touched on the fact that there seems to be like a need for encouragement to get females out there competing more, right? And they're giving an incentive, which is nice to hear. They're there, if you see what I mean. So what's the, then the difference between them signing up and then just going for the competitions? What, what, why, is, why does the incentive need to be there, if you see what I mean? Because it's not as if they're not around, right? They yeah. are there. Is there just an element of competing and just people just aren't keen on? Or, as we said, it's a hobby, hobby or sport type thing and people don't have to compete in the slightest bit, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do the like classic woman versus men chat, but I think women and men are both equally sort of anxious or self-conscious about things, but I think maybe women are differently self-conscious. Mm. Like, they don't like put themselves out there in the same way. And I think that kind of encouragement can really help or like getting people together and going as a team, I think sure. would be very encouraging. So that kind of stuff, but everyone's incentivized by something that's free or cheap. Okay, that's interesting. I know obviously when you look at other industries and other sort of fields, they have, for example, female only gyms, right? Yeah. I, I'm not aware of this, this might be my naivety. Have they got any female only jujitsu schools out there at the moment or anything like that at all? Um, maybe in the Middle East. Yeah. I think they have female-only teams. Um, I think Amal Amjahid, I think that might have completely messed up her name. She's Belgian. I think she runs a team out in Saudi Arabia. Nice. And that's obviously a woman's, woman's team. Okay, that's um, interesting. Do you think that would help with encouragement? Sort of having, I appreciate having loads of women is definitely more encouraging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I imagine it helped with training and stuff like that. Yeah, that but I think having like a, a little squad going, and I think this isn't just for women, but I think this is something that would help women in that thing where I said they're sort of self-conscious in a different way. Mm. I think men also benefit from having like a squad all going, yeah. if that makes sense. No, I but I think maybe it's just because maybe they're self-conscious in the same way, they just don't talk about it in the same way. No, I could vouch for that. Definitely a lot of things. I, yesterday, obviously, I went out and competed myself, and yeah. um, hence the marks on the eyes. So apologies for that. Face for podcasting, as I say. Um, and again, the chat in the changing room afterwards with all the guys that we all fought each other and how we were saying, like, I thought you were going to do this and I thought you were going to be a real nightmare to deal with and like all, yeah. all these mental concerns that you build up in your head as to say, and it's always the worst case scenario. It's never, oh, I thought I was going to do well against this guy or something like this. It's always that mental build up and it yeah. actually never really pans out that way <laughs> at all type thing. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's maybe just socialization in that, like in general, like women are not socialized to like really put themselves forward and put themselves out there. And I'm speaking like in a really general sense. Um, so maybe there's that and maybe there's worry about like not looking their best, which I know sounds like super sexist, but I mean like, you know, you have to put yourself out there in front of a huge crowd. And like, I think women are very heavily not criticized, but like appearance is very important, like yeah. physical appearance. And I, I'm just, I mean, very obviously don't really care that much about it. <laughs> don't worry, I live in joggers um, and live 24-7. But I know, like, for other women, they would have worries, like, you know, what if, you know, they look bad, or, like, you know, I don't want to, like, I don't know. I've never had these concerns, so I can't really, like, articulate them, but yeah, I know sorry. they exist. Yeah, it's fine. It's just interesting topics, which I think, I again, I'm all for getting everyone speaking about it more, if that makes sense, yeah. the whole point of trying to get more awareness around these different topics, which may not be easy to talk about and may not have a direct solution for it. It's yeah. trying to, all I, all I would want to do is from the concerns from other industries outside of jiu-jitsu who have gone down the same path that we don't, we learn from their mistakes and not just yeah. simply replicate them, if you see what I mean. Um, and so, again, it talks about obviously equal pay within women's football, for example, right? Yeah. There should be the same sort of element when it comes to this. And again, as far as, my, again, my naivety, obviously, to the levels obviously of you competing at, I, I presume that if you win black belt gold at Pan Ams, you're going to get the same sort of pay as a female, as a male would type of thing. I don't know if that I th is. I think you get the same pay because the pay is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Different competition. That shows my naivety there. Um, uh, I guess what I mean is you could ask another woman the same question and she might have a different answer because... Like I said, I think men and women and people are all like kind of broadly similar. I think it's just the expressions of how we are is different. Mm, okay. Yeah. As you mentioned, obviously, it's quite different in terms of that sort of self-awareness, self-assessment, obviously, when it comes to male and females. Like, again, my wife, how much I convince her to try and do jujitsu, her first concern straight away is like, what happens if someone pulls my hair? And I'm like, I can't relate to it. So I don't know. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's interesting you mentioned that these groups of individuals are going to have similar connections about different things and be able to relate to it. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, and I think 
people dismiss those sorts of concerns, like pulling the hair or like appearance stuff, as like being a bit like a lot of like kind of women's things, like being a bit. Um, I can't think of a good word. Uh, just like you, you should just get over it. But I think they're equally valid as other concerns. Sure. No, yeah. That makes absolute sense. But I mean, I coach men and women, and I think they're equally kind of like self-conscious or anxious. It just manifests quite differently, and I think that's probably the point I'm trying to drive at. Yeah, it makes sense. Everyone's going to have their own concerns about different things. I, again, <laughs> not to go into too much detail, as soon as someone wants to do a, a knee cut on me, instantly I'm thinking, right, is someone about to go knee, knee over my bollocks as soon as it goes into that position or something like that, which in the yeah, day... Yeah, I remember when I was teaching, a guy asked me how he doesn't crush his manhood <laughs> in an armbar, and I just was like, bro, like, bro like I... It's not something that happens. Like I was like, maybe if you try like to angle it, like I don't, I don't know. It's a question I can't answer. All <laughs> <laughs> things have for I bet you walked away from it still thinking like. No, I walked away thinking like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think I answered that very well. But just get over it, bro. I'll be fine. <laughs> if you want to win, that's what you have to do. <laughs> Crush your bollocks to win. I love it. What's that phrase? You won't win a marathon without some nipple tape or something like that. What's that? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh no that's great um so with anything obviously you learned uh, from going down in weight and things like that you mentioned obviously three-day fasting wasn't going well was there like so a light bulb moment where you found out obviously you're doing the snc was there just lack of energy lack of th things that were going on with you getting more injuries or anything like that at all or um i think the light bulb moment wasn't like that it wasn't working it's just that i was like wow this is really like unhealthy okay like i can just decide not to eat and i just won't um, which is not good. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but like with SNC and stuff, I think I just built more muscles, so I leaned out a bit more. Okay. So I became a bit less soft, a bit less like a panda bear. <laughs> still like a panda bear, still a little Nothing soft. Nothing wrong with pandas, I think they're the ultimate yeah. animal, along with koalas. Um, you touched on SNC, yeah. right? Anyone who goes onto your social media sees that you do some Olympic lifting. Yeah, it's, it's just for fun, actually. It's not actually like my SNC for jujitsu. It's just like, it hits the same, like, itches the same part of my brain as jiu-jitsu because it's, like, unlike jiu-jitsu, well, it is, it's complicated, but, like, unlike jiu-jitsu, there's two lifts, and that's it. And then, like, within those two lifts, you have to figure out everything, and it's really technical, so it, like, itches that part of my brain, so that's why it's my hobby. Because you can just, like, it, like, you drill and you drill the same thing over and over again so it's like jujitsu except it's with weights and it looks really cool see i don't know if i've got the wrong mindset because I, I came from uh, bodybuilding did a bit of crossfit to begin with and the olympic lifting just didn't fancy it there's certain movements within olympic lifting i'm, I'm okay with a clean like a strict press or something like or, or clean and jerk or clean and press as soon as it came into snatches all of a sudden i was just like Nah, this isn't for me. It's too technical for. And again, I don't know if it's just being the bigger guy or trying to muscle it up all the time and be like, that's fine. But yeah, I just couldn't get on with it altogether. It, but. it took me, and this is probably says a lot about me, it took me like two years to be able to sit into a snatch. <laughs> I but I drilled that. it constantly for two years and I did like snatch balance and overhead squat. And like I managed, I think I had the mobility just like a bit dyspraxic. So like I just couldn't sit down even in the overhead squat so I had to like kind of work and figure it out and that's how I got better at jiu-jitsu too because I was like diabolically bad at jiu-jitsu for a long time. Um, <laughs> ask Pedro, ask Pedro how I did an armbar or ask like Tom how I like tried to do something to like spear myself in the ground. Um, like it just took ages but when when you get it it's so satisfying like you know. Can imagine they probably hit the sweet spot when they're like, oh, yeah, this is it. it's just, and it feels, it feels like I think the kids say cash money when you like hit a snatch <laughs> and you're like on the bottom and you're like this and you're like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're just looking around, everyone. Then you got to get up. Yeah, absolutely. But, it was a struggle. Yeah. That's interesting. Again, and you mentioned that you felt like it improved your jiu jitsu game. So even though you said it wasn't your SNC, but it was obviously. I think, yeah, because I had to fix, like, I mean, my shoulders still aren't super mobile. Opponents don't, don't listen to that part. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, I had to figure out how to be able to, like, hold, like do that, like the overhead squat mm. kind of snatch position. And that was quite hard. So I think it helped me improve my mobility a lot um, because I really wanted to be able to snatch, but I couldn't do it. Interesting. So it was, it was kind of something which challenged you in a completely yeah. different way, which then did you think early doors that, that was going to contribute to having better shoulder mobility in the long run? No, because I just didn't really get why I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, it did have this really convenient timing um, 
of I kind of started doing it like in early 2020. Mm. So then there was, as, as everyone knows, not much to do jujitsu wise for a couple of years there. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say as the wife, but uh, yeah, otherwise I think everyone, everyone knows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I think that like because I didn't have as much jujitsu, I just like blasted Olympic lifting. Sure. I just, get you could do it by fun. yourself, couldn't you? Obviously, you can do it by yourself. Yeah. But we have like a little class at Sweatbox, so I think there's three times a week and advertising. Yeah, um, go for it. But I just I usually go on Saturday mornings if I'm not competing. That's fine. And then just chill. I do it chill times. Like I, right now, like for whatever reason, when I clean, it kind of doesn't feel nice, so I just I just snatch. That's fair enough. Do you keep it in on the lead up to competitions or anything that you sort of remove out or any sort of structures that you follow type of thing? Um, for all the lifting, no, because it's for fun. For like the SNC I do with Electrum, so Electrum Performance, who does a lot of the SNC for Atos, so they're down in San Diego. Um, I'll just kind of not lift like a day or two before. I just don't train the day or two before. Okay, so yeah. you keep it in most of the time. And then yeah, or I might like back off and not lift as much. Cool. Because you don't need to lift your max every time. No, you can work around the lower rep ranges and percentiles quite a lot and get some significant improvement, I think. Yeah, it's just nice to move. And Definitely. Playtime, like, let's be honest, we, we go from this child environment of being in, excited to go out for lunchtime, break time, going out with your mates, running around, all this type of stuff, to this adulthood where it's like, no, you must sit in the chair now for the rest of your life. And for some reason, there's a stigma around exercise that I would say for everyone, maybe not many sort of viewers and listeners, listeners to this, but I'd say general population, the exercise, oh, that's a bit of a task. Oh, I don't want to bother with this. Oh, it seems like, and don't get me wrong, part of me feels like they need to find the thing that they love, but it just boggles me that as kids, that's the biggest thing that we look forward to is playtime. And this is what this yeah. is as such. Do you know what I mean? So I think that motivation kind of goes back to like why people don't compete and maybe not just women, but people. It's like, what are the barriers that stop someone from starting something? Because I don't think there's necessarily like a stigma against exercise. I think people are just, it's hard for people to start doing something new. Mm. And they just need to find the thing they like. Like I've known lots of people who just like aren't really into sport and they're like, ooh, and then they find something they really like and then they're like super into it. Yep. So, but I think getting people to try different sports or like enabling people to go, like figure out why you don't do something is like wild. Like if I'm feeling anxious about doing something, I try to think like what's stopping me and sometimes it's like something really minor, like, oh, I don't know like where I'll leave my bike, <laughs> for example, like, <laughs> like something really, really minor. And then when I like, don't worry, like we'll figure it out when we get there, then I just do it. So I think it's just stuff like that for a lot of people. I don't think it's they don't like exercise. I think they just have these like mental barriers that are like really minor, but they don't think of them this way. Mm. There's this um, anecdote that I read somewhere from a psychiatrist about this like corporate lawyer and I tell people this anecdote all the time because I think it's like sometimes you have to be a bit ridiculous with yourself like you're being like you know I don't want my hair to be pulled like people would think maybe that's a bit ridiculous but you have to accept like that's something you think you can't dismiss the thoughts so there's this woman who she was like a corporate lawyer like super high flying and she kept worrying because she thought the hairdryer was plugged in was going to burn down her house like how can my wife and so my mind with a, so a hair straightness at the moment? So she kept like having to leave meetings and go home and she was going to lose her job because it was consuming her whole life. So the psychiatrist just told her, unplug the hairdryer and take it with you to work. And then it completely solved her problem. Like it's really ridiculous. Like you're taking a hairdryer to work, but it completely solves her problem of like, oh my God, my house is going to burn down. Similarly, like when you want to start something or do something or motivate yourself to something, try to figure out like, is that I don't want to do it or is there like this minor thing that's like kind of sticking in my brain and like these minor things always stick in your brain and like you just have to figure out what it is and then when you figure out what it is if it's something you can easily fix like the hairdryer or like you know you know what I'll figure out where to lock my bike or um, you know what I'll bring food with me because I don't know if there's going to be food there or just something like that yeah. like or like you worry like the people aren't going to be nice You're like well if they're not nice I'll just leave. Mm. So like you have to t like explicitly tell yourself these things like when you try something out like oh what if the people are rude then you just just leave. A bit of self affirmation. But you have to tell yourself that. Yeah, I like that. It's the same thing again we tell with uh, athletes who obviously go and compete at different places, be that jujitsu, MMA, Muay Thai, or something like this. I said, look, 
we're going to remove any variables out of the equation. Yeah. Take your own food, take your own water, take, do all these type of things. And they're like, what, is the water going to be poisoned or something? I said, no, because at the end of the day, you don't know where you're going to turn up to, right? Is there going to be a queue of 20 people filling up from a tiny rusty tap type thing to fill water? And then you're just there wasting half an hour of your time when you want to be just relaxed and getting the environment, not worry yeah. about where I'm going to get my sort of sip of water type thing. But, so. um reminds me when I was refereeing yesterday at sunny Crystal Palace Sports Centre, which a lot of people in the UK will know because the London IBJJS are there. Yep. I was refereeing at All Stars, who are great people, so thinking about doing their events, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> advertising. There, I'm there in two weeks' time on the, on the uh, All Stars Cardiff Pro, so yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so cool. Um, but there was, n there was no water fund, and the cafe, for whatever reason, there's a cafe there, and it was just closed. Like, everything was gone. And I was like, oh, well, there's nowhere to fill up a bottle. But I brought, like, five drinks with <laughs> so it's okay but like Super that reminds prepared. me of the like yeah bring your own water bring your own water bring your own food because like if, if you bring your own stuff and like there's something better there you can just take it back home yeah. or eat it later no, exactly it's not but as if we, we live in a time where we don't have fridges or freezes and stuff like this, this, yeah. is, this exactly. we sometimes live in an environment where we think I need to finish this now because we know of a time to eat this and it's like well no yeah. any other time we're not on a sea trying to get scurvy all of a sudden yeah. and on a boat somewhere. kind of about like Thinking what lizard brain's doing, which is like your underbrain. <laughs> so many weird words, sorry. It's These right. are not technical words, they're just my own words. You're like underbrain, lizard brain, and then like trying to like defeat it because it's always wants to just like hibernate. Yeah. Yeah. Keep safe, don't do anything. Keep else. safe. Keep to the normal. Or like maybe there's a threat here <laughs> of like the hairdryer or like not having somewhere to lock your bike. It's, there's a couple of things that come I know from. that's like a really thing I keep returning to, but Bristol is so bad for bike theft. <laughs> <laughs> and I cycle everywhere. Uh, I get exactly what you mean. There's a couple of things that remind me. I've definitely seen a real posting around recently. I don't know if he was a stand-up comedian or some sort of like motivational speaker about the guy who was a black belt. And everyone says, like, what was the hardest thing about it? To which then he takes out his white belt and he says, this was the hardest thing about it, just starting in the first place. Yeah. And he said the black belt was the first who just kept on turning up type thing, which I'm sure many people obviously would have heard of many, many a time. Um, and there was another one which had to come to mind about sort of starting things. And it's something which, again, when my clients, I say to them, if you haven't got anything, obviously, if we encourage them to maintain their weight, lose some body fat, whatever it is, through step count alone, which obviously we all have to walk everywhere. So it's, it's quite usable to obviously in that instance. But in terms of what they have to do in terms of exercise, of course, we want to encourage resistance training. We've got lots of benefits behind that. And what form that comes in, I don't mind. Like you turn around yeah. to me and say, I'm going to do some slack lining and one day I'm like, great, you found something. This is great. Yeah. As long as you enjoy it, I do not care because you'll have no little resistance to not go, if that makes sense. If you're doing yeah. something you just absolutely hate because, I don't know, you've seen all your friends go to pure gym and you think, well, that's the thing that everyone's doing and must do it. You wake up one morning feeling really tired. Instantly, you've got a bit of resistance barrier, so you're just you're not going to go. Right? Yeah. And it's a harder battle to overcome, whereas you find something that passion, which I'm sure... Any of the jiu-jitsu people listening to this now, yes, we turn up pretty much two times a week, three times a week, one day a week, whatever it may be, yeah? Yeah. Because we enjoy it, we make time for it, and we don't really care about the outcome of it, being the offense sense that you're there beaten up after a session, or you've pulled off the arm bar you've been working on, or whatever it may be, but you enjoy it that much that you just make time for it each and every time, and it's, it's, yeah. it's really nice to see when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, Okay, a uh, couple of questions I was going to ask you. Also, we got through from Instagram for you. All okay. right. Uh, this one came from another female competitor, um, and so she wanted your sort of insights to this. Um, she's due to compete on a show at the moment. She's the first one up. I don't want to give any names to ruin it. <laughs> Obviously, in terms of her competitor might be seeing this or whatever. Uh, how do we deal with competition nerves, and how would you deal with being first on the mat for a show? I'd say, first of all, good luck. Um, <laughs> direct, direct. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there's like something to be said about going first though because like people aren't really sure what to expect right so like no matter what they're going to be like well they were f they I think they usually think good about the people who go first the people in the middle are the people who kind of get lost in the crowd so I think you'll have a really good chance to stand out um, I think just when you do shows you just have to go and try your best to like put on the best show you can it doesn't really matter the result I mean it, it does like winning is sick but like, as long as you just kind of blast it and try to just keep going and don't get stuck in like a certain position, like in points jujitsu, it's fine to just like chill out and close guard for five minutes. But I mean, it's not. I will penalize it if I'm refereeing. And you're not doing anything. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Referee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Luch. But <laughs> I think 
you just have to like not get too hyped up. That's the problem I had recently. I was like so hyped up from like competing in the gi at this tournament. Like I fought someone who I looked up to for a long time, a black belt. I mean, she toe held me, but it was fine. Um, but like I was so hyped up for the nogi, and I was so like wound up that I just like wasn't quite present enough. So like you need to be focused, but not too like shaking and hyped up. And like for me, I like to like kind of clear my brain. So like if other thoughts float in, I just say like, oh, like let's just think about that later. Right now, we're just kind of focusing on the task at hand, and then being realistic about what you can do um, with what where you are at, which is important for training too, and like when you train and setting goals. But like if if like you've you know you've got you know you have like thirty seconds left, and you've got like a kind of guard, but you could attack something. On a show, just blast it. Um, like a lot of the shows use um, grapple fest rules. Polaris rules are slightly different depending on the format, but the grapple fest rules, I think Enyo uses grapple fest rules or a modified version. A lot of the ones that use judging criteria, the main criteria is submission attempts. So like even if you like go for something and end up on the bottom, yeah. don't worry. Just, just just blast it and have fun. All the shows have a really great environment as well. Um, so yeah, my advice is don't worry about being first. On, on the card, but worry about being the first one to act in the, in the match, yeah. <laughs> Love it, and I think you're very much right. With a lot of these other promotions at the moment who are getting people on board, obviously, to come and compete on their shows and stuff like this, to some degree, they want entertainment. And I mean, it's a show. It's a show. They want it as a marketing point of view. It's the same point, obviously, uh, how previous podcast discussions, which I won't go into details, I feel like I've gone enough about it, about ADCC putting on a great show compared to some of the bigger shows, obviously, <laughs> out there who are trying to do that. And in terms of marketing capabilities and stuff, like it's great. We had one of our guys, um, Mark Hibbard, who uh, was on the Grapplefest highlight reel recently, obviously, for yeah. the next promotion. And so he didn't get the submission but he put on a great show he put a lot of attempts in there stuff like this and it's the same yeah, sort they, of thing they want to see movement yeah exactly so, so just give it your all and just see what happens by the sound yeah. of things and if it's not the result you want at least you've done you, you've tried yeah. and not the uh, i wonder if it would what would happen type of thing yeah and so. people will still book you on shows if you don't win some of the shows exactly. trust 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 me <laughs> <laughs> talking for first experience um the next one obviously um again a bit personal on this one but it's all about uh the your nutrition and training schedule around your menstrual cycle so do you do anything different with that at all or i just bleed bro <laughs> like i don't really like do much around that like I guess for me I just sort of do the same as always I might eat more mm -hmm. I might eat a little more I might be more hungry I realized like I was getting cranky not because of my period but like in general because I wasn't eating enough like so I'll have inter-training snacks which are usually like you know a couple of nuts and some sweets so you get like the fat and the sugar I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a, don't is, worry. Is, I'm not, is, as I say to everyone, I don't, I'm not here to judge. It's the same thing I get with my friends. I, I guess I mean, meal, like, like, what should we eat? I'm not, not necessarily the person to be, like, asking for, like, you know, advice and taking it as, like, you know, the Bible. But I, I will just probably eat a little bit more. Yeah. If I have, like, cramps or something, if they're really awful, I might take some ibuprofen or paracetamol. But I, I, I'm quite lucky in that I don't get, like, terrible, terrible cramps. Sure. Okay. Or symptoms of that. No, it's fine. Again, from a from a nutrition standpoint, obviously, again, being a male, I'm not here to sound patronising, and that I know everything about this. But um, <laughs> we've got a lot of female clients on our books, and so on, and so it's a conversation which I have probably more regular than more people even realise about this. But if we were to take the standard sort of 28 day cycle, um, obviously from day one when you've had your period, um, we've then got sort of a split in the middle. Um, point obviously we have the follicle phase which is the first two weeks then we have the luteal that was the one I knew it would give over L always remember follicle first luteal last um, it's the final two weeks of that okay first two weeks obviously we have our periods uh, hormones are a little bit all wavy at the moment the final into the second week our testosterone shoots up through the roof oh, and sick. so that's when you should be hitting your big, I don't know, 90% one rep maxes obviously on, on snatches and so stuff like that. So bad at being a woman. <laughs> well, it's interesting, like when you look at um, some other competitors in different sports and stuff, I don't know if this goes on obviously within the BJJ world, it may do. They will manipulate their menstrual cycle
cycle to have higher testosterone levels for when it comes to things like the Olympics all of a sudden, so that when they and go in. There's, there's money in that, so I can kind of see that. Yeah, so um. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of detail when it comes into it. And then the final sort of two weeks of it, that's when obviously testosterone goes back down, estrogen's trying to obviously level itself back out again. And we typically get more hunger sensations around that period, as we kind of mentioned. Uh. And so the, the technical balance, obviously, we look at on average is around about three to 400 calories extra around that two week phase, obviously, for yeah, it. That seems about right and from what I eat extra. Yeah. And so it's, it's nothing majorly significant. Obviously, there's an element of control around it because, obviously, if anyone or any of us feel hungry, all of a sudden we could just be everything under the sun, right? Yeah. Um, and it's trying to make sure we're immensely in the right place. We're not beating ourselves up about it too much, especially if, obviously, if we're in a dieting phase, that's fine. Obviously, people can get a little bit hung up about it. But the reality behind it is that it's to be expected. Um, the only gripe that I have, obviously, with what we know of it, as I mentioned to yourself earlier, all the testing that's been done around this has been on just rats so far. All the publications that have come out have been on that. And so, yeah. as I mentioned, some, same with men, same with women, we're all built differently. People are gonna respond completely differently. As you mentioned, obviously, you get cramps, obviously, when it comes to it, all of a sudden, some women don't get anything like that at all. Some people get really hungry, obviously, in that luteal phase, and other people just don't. And so, I wouldn't, and this, if you, again, it's always, I don't like to crush people's dreams with this and say, look, if you're going to ADCC finals, right, and you want to have that 1% extra, it's something you could really consider. I just wouldn't want anyone to upturn their whole lifestyle around their menstrual cycle unless it was impacting them that significantly to gain that extra 1% to try and, I'm sure there's many other things that you could do to improve your game or your performance outside yeah. of that, if that makes sense. So No, I guess the mean thing to say is you could probably find that 1% somewhere else, like sleeping 1% better or exactly. you know, eating and a little bit better or doing more mobility, yeah, something like that. exactly that. And it, the idea being is I don't want to come across a man saying, mental cycle makes no difference, just crack on with something else type thing. Of course it has an impact. It's the idea being that if you want to take into consideration, it impacts you a lot, then fine. It's something obviously we can be aware of, we can act upon it, that's no problem. Um, will you see a significant difference of it? Again, very personal. Some people find they get massive differences altogether. So if I was in anyone's shoes that were looking to obviously look at changing things around, give it a trial. Do it for a month, do it for a couple of months, see what happens. My biggest concern is, is that there could be a lot of changes within your structure and you may find that all of a sudden your trajectory on certain things, so take your lifts for example, you know you'd be lifting heavier potentially the first couple of weeks and then afterwards you're kind of going, oh, I'm going to reduce my lifting down a little yeah. bit. So this is the, the shitter phase obviously of it. Um, you then got two weeks of performance increasing and then it's like, oh, bring it back down again. Whereas mentally you could actually be in a better headspace not thinking this is the week where i'm going to perform lower yeah. compared to the previous weeks and is it then something that's a little bit more psychological in that point yeah. i wouldn't want someone to manifest something and being like oh i'm going to perform bad this week because i'm in the neutral phase of my menstrual cycle i suppose <laughs> i have two to have two thoughts my first thought is if you have someone if like if you're an olympic athlete and you have someone managing all of that for you then you it's fine you're yeah. golden right my second thought is for most people it's not that complicated <laughs> Just just get on with it, lads. <laughs> if you want to lift the weights, lift the weights. If you yeah. want to train, train. Exactly. Obviously, if your period is really bad, and like I know some people get cramps so bad they need to like lie down for a while and things like that. Like I'm not saying like you're being lazy. I just mean if you're trying to like min-max your life, um, it's just it, it doesn't seem very pleasant. No, it's a it's, and, it, and I don't know what gain you're actually getting from that. Yeah, that's exactly my point. If you're going for the top echelons and you've got someone helping you with that, then great, go for that one extra extra 1%. But like I said, I just don't see upturning your life completely around one thing unless it's massively impacting you. Yeah, um, I would talk to a GP if it <laughs> Yes. Um, one of the sort of recommendations and supplementations for cramps is vitamin E and omega-3 uh, are the two mm. key ones. So um, again, one of the things that I recommend daily for majority of clients is omega-3 capsules, high strength ones, go and get them from Boots. I'm not associated with them, but you can get a cheap cheap deal from there. Um, and obviously vitamin E you can get from there as well. They normally have like a three for two. So grab yourself some vitamin D because we'd never get enough of it here in the UK anyway. So um, yeah. that'll be the helpful one when it comes to that. Just kind of blast fish oil and hope for the best. <laughs> It's like one capsule, I'll just like take like three and hope for well, the you best. Get, you get the high strength ones, there's only one capsule you need. 
that's the God, one. I've probably been thinking way too much. <laughs> it, it really helps. Like, I, I, there's Got some gills. supplements out there which are just absolute nightmare where you look at the packaging, it's like, take nine capsules a day. I'm like, I haven't got time to take nine capsules a day. I'm not going to force feed them all down in one lump type thing. It's yeah, I bought this like cherry stuff that was kind of working for me before, maybe as a placebo, but I thought it was one a day and then it was like, take two a day. I'm like, this packet's only for like a week. Yeah, it's so problem. expensive. So expensive. Like, the normal sort of generalized stack that I recommend to people would be, again, multivitamin, high strength one, omega-3 high strength one, vitamin D high strength. You can get all three for three for two from Boots. I think it comes about £25 now, but that's about six months worth. So I'm like, cool, easily done. And don't get your pants pulled down by my protein or charge you like 50 quid for the omega-3 capsules. You heard it here first. <laughs> Save yourself. We don't stand for my protein. No, not at all. We stand for boots here. <laughs> or Superdrug, maybe. They have it at Superdrug, I don't know. Possibly. I just know boots because it's the one that I've just eventually yeah. found myself over time type of thing. One of the other questions we had come through from Instagram was to do with cross-training. So uh, one of the questions came in, this uh, individual is doing a lot of boxing, a lot of jiu-jitsu, uh, finding obviously both of them together is really good obviously for her cardiovascular uh, elements to it and obviously getting that output, um, building up his lungs, which is obviously fantastic. She's trying to implement or is implementing some strength training as well. Um, and so did she say she was struggling with that, sorry, or she... Maybe she was worried. Ah, so she's worried, obviously, the strength training is going to hinder the cardiovascular training, basically. So what's your take on it as someone who's obviously got both of them somewhere? Yeah, um, I mean, I think I've got really good cardio. Sorry, I'm just going to brag. But <laughs> she's got a bike. She's got, <laughs> got a bike, everywhere. I cycle everywhere. Um, no, I think, like, I noticed um, during that period when I was, I basically had this period of time, for some reason, we just, like, weren't training jujitsu, um, which we've alluded to earlier. And I was basically just like blasting weights. I said blast again. Um, <laughs> there should be a counter for that. And like eating. And I, I got up to like 80 kilos. It was so bad. But like I was very strong. Um, and I got back to jiu-jitsu and I was like... <gasps> but like when, once I got back to jiu-jitsu, it was fine. And I like still lift a lot and still train a lot. Um, and I don't have any problems. But when you're lifting... Like, you have to be balanced, right? You're not lifting to, like, achieve, like, big lifts, like power lifters or, you know, some of the ollie lifting guys. Like, we have some really cool ollie lifting guys at Sweatbox who are, like, professionals. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's like ballet, almost. It's beautiful. It's yeah. very elegant. But, um, like, as long as you're still doing jiu-jitsu and boxing, it should be fine. And you know when to, like, dial it back with the weights. Like, I don't really hit maxes very much. I maybe, I don't think I've done a max for, like, a year. Uh, there's a, there's a, an argument to it, with, especially with sort of max lifting, especially when it comes to deadlifting. Um, I know you do more hex bar stuff rather than straight no, just straight bar. bar. I like oh, straight, straight bar conventional sorry. because I'm very boring. That's <laughs> fine. Um, no, with obviously one rep max deadlifts, there's this big argument in terms of risk to reward ratio. And one of the strong men talked about this many years ago and said, look, at the end of the day, unless you're a power lifter or a strong man, there is no benefit to you trying to achieve a one rep max on a deadlift at the at the potential outcome of you getting injured from it, which yeah. all of a sudden the risk it's, goes through it's the fun. roof. I like, I like max stuff for the fun of it, but I just don't. Like, sometimes I'll be like, I could do this with, like, you know, I could do this press with, like, 30 kilos or 40 kilos. <laughs> Outcast has just turned up. Don't worry. <laughs> That's I've an incredible. So much on this one. There was a vocal warm up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> it's alright, it's fine. I'm just like eight cast and turn, out, outcast and just turned up all of a sudden. Uh, right, where were we? It was lifting. I was just saying, like, when you're lifting, like, you have to, like, consider why you're lifting and, like, whatever program you're doing, any program is probably fine as long as you do it. Mm. But, like, if you can do it with, like, you know, 50 kilos, that's, like, a strain on you consider what else you have to do so like maybe drop it back you know you don't have to lift super heavy all the time that's interesting i think some snc guys might hate me for saying this but if you're trying to lift let's say to contribute towards your jiu-jitsu game right there's a certain threshold which again in my opinion from this is that you're not going to come across an athlete who's going to be 200 kilograms as a deadlift so what is yeah. the purpose of you being able to lift 200 kilograms when the top echelon could be what 120, 130. And so trying to replicate that towards, obviously there's nothing wrong with getting strong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but 
surely bring the numbers down, reduce the risk down, and then look for the repetition where all of a sudden that could be quite realistic in that jiu-jitsu environment, if you see what I mean. I don't know if you've ever had yeah. that, those thoughts at all or anything similar. Yeah, I just, like, lifting super heavy stuff can be really fun. <laughs> okay. It's like with the ollie lifting, it's for fun. Yeah. Like, I would not, like, I'm not aiming to hit a max deadlift. I'd like to do 140 one day, which is, like, double body weight. I think, like, I have it in me. Like, I've wrapped, like, 125, but... I just can't be bothered. I've got other stuff I want to do. Maybe later. It's like running a marathon. I'd love to run a marathon, but for a marathon, you actually have to like properly train. Like I've done, yeah, I've, done, I've, done, I've, I've done, seen people hung over doing the London marathon just like on a whim and just going like, right, we'll just do it, whatever. Yeah, but like I've done half marathons and stuff with like very little training, but a marathon I'd like to do properly. So I'm going to leave that for like when I'm old. <laughs> love it. Um, okay, what's an unpopular jujitsu opinion that you have? No. Okay. <laughs> Everyone says it pulls the exact same face. The last podcast, I'm like, I'm not saying it. I can't say this. No, I'm gonna say it. I'm just trying to think of which one because I've got like well, loads. Fire them. Let's go. Uh, I think instructionals are good, but people need to realize that their coach can actually be a really amazing resource, um, and their coach might do something differently, but that might not be wrong. Just because you know. Someone's like, this is like the min-maxing thing. Someone's like, this is the best way to do it. I'm like, it's the best way to do it for them. But like, someone else might have a different way of doing it. And if you can't like, find what's wrong with it, then both ways are equally valid. Um, oh, God, more unpopular opinions. Uh, oh, gosh, that's like one of my We've main ones. We've definitely lost our sponsorship with BJJ Fanatics now, haven't we? No, I, I love <laughs> instructionals, but I think people don't use them right. They like watch the whole thing and they try to drill like the entire thing. And I'm like, no, like... I like wrestling instructionals. I watch a lot of wrestling videos and Marcelo and AOJ. I think that's pretty much what I'm watching right now, but mostly just Marcelo and wrestling. And I'll like watch like a five minute segment of the video and that's what I'll drill for the next like month or two. Sure. People try to do too many things at once and that's not how you get good fast. It'll get good, it I'm just takes it, time. I'll make a note that, so I feel like I'm literally talking to I you. Think I think I was, teach, <laughs> I was teaching a, a Nogi or I was just like, starting the Nogi off for Pedro because he was running late. And like we often work with takedown entries. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you want to get good at takedowns, pick one. Don't, don't be bad at five things, be good at one. So that was my like really ag aggressive <laughs> comment to the class. I think I just didn't have any snacks, so I was a bit cranky. Um, I think people need to be more honest. Like I don't think it's an unpopular opinion, but I think people need to be more honest like about like tournaments and stuff like you have Instagram and stuff like that and you can post highlights and medals and things like that but I think you have to be honest about what it took to get there how many people might be in your division so if you got silver in a two-person division definitely be honest um, like though I realize like a lot of people um, don't realize that default means like you didn't win um, and I don't mean be honest because like oh you shouldn't lie I just mean be honest so people know what the process is like because like if everyone's just like you know doing super well all the time people don't know that process and they feel really bad like I was talking about with women like when you train with like big guys all the time like it's really hard to execute anything and no one not no one like I think more people are talking about it now but it's less spoken about like you're like oh yeah she's just like messes up the guys uh, <laughs> but it's hard <laughs> it's hard work like trying to think of more unpopular opinions. I have more for you. Have anything else I know. I'm trying to think of other ones. You make I'm, I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that might be it for now. There That'll might be, be more. Fine. Have That'll me back. Fun. Have me back for an unpopular opinions <laughs> special mini episode. You'll just burst in. On oh, the actually, no. My my last <gasps> my last one is it's all Marcelo and it always has been. That's more about Nogi. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, obviously Canadian. You then have the opportunity to submit probably, I don't know if he is, is viewed of this, but probably a idol uh, sports person in the world. You have GSP in the ring. Are Would they? you submit him or not? No. You wouldn't? <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if he just like lay there and let me do it, yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure it's possible in like a certain set of circumstances, but like, you know, is he like, you know, asleep or something. He's talking about <laughs> Yeah, after you've, you've uh, strangled him to death. There we go. Um, I would feel pretty bad. You'd feel pretty There'd bad. There'd probably be riots in Quebec. They love a riot. <laughs> there we go. You've got to deal with the, the conundrum. I've just submitted GSP, like, hypothetically, whatever move you wanted to. 
and yeah. you've got that victory over him, or you then got the backlash of everyone going, you just ruined, like, yeah. probably... I, I <laughs> want it to be a Barada Plata, though. Barada Plata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, do you speak French, coming from Canada? Oui, je parle français. Hey. <laughs> I wish I could reply. I don't know if I... That's <laughs> okay. I just, said, I just said, yes, I speak French. <laughs> <laughs> Very rehearsed it. Oh, my French teacher hated me. I'm sorry. It's because I love croissant. Well, true. You are the pastry queen. Speaking of which... What, are we doing a bakery re recommendation? I, know, I want the top three from the area. Or top three actually, from the area? Let's do from the area of Bristol. So from the area of Bristol. Hearts, number one. Hearts never misses on anything. That's um, kind of a Bristol secret because it's a little weirdly hard to find. It's like the main station, Temple Meads. It has this like ramp leading up to it and there's some arches. And it's in those arches. Oh, bun this way. Their cinnamon bun is like the most incredible thing, but they usually sell out by like 8.30 a.m. But everything else there is so good that you won't be upset. Other good bakeries. Mm, where else do I like? I quite like the loaf. Um, but they do these, I think they might be doing them now, these like cream buns that are like Swedish. I think mm. they're called semla. And they're like just like a cream bun with like a load of nice cream inside. And they have really nice food. It's a nice place to meet people. There's like a branch. I think they have three in Bristol, maybe. There's a branch by the gym in Bedminster. Um, and it's got like lots of seating, so it's a nice place to go before training. I get a feeling my barbers is opposite the loaf. So you got a clear glass and stuff like that. Yeah. Skeleton barbers is what I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is across from there. Yeah. God, I had a third one in my head and it just like dropped out. Maybe we got top two. No, there's so good. Oh, I like Small Goods, which does donuts. That's actually really close to here. How does the uh, how does Hearts uh, in comparison to the rest of your travels? Where would you would it still be number one or would you say it's pretty it's pretty good? Like I've had a lot of I've eaten too many baked goods. That's but right. Like some of the bakeries in Portugal, but it's a different genre of baking. And France obviously is just like, but I think Hearts would probably do pretty well in France. Yeah. Yeah, but for, oh God. See, I, I can't. Went, I, can't I went to Paris. I went to Montmartre with my friend. Like just like in 2021 summer, which was kind of like a weird time to travel. Yeah. Because it wasn't really crowded. And oh, dude, I ate so much. Like there's a place that specialized in Leclerc. There's a place that specialized in Madeleines. There's a place that specialized in bread. In your element by the sound of things. Yeah, I need to go to France again. I uh, see, I think the thing is every time I go to France, I just see macaroons everywhere. I just think they're massively over overrated. Macarons are good, but like, I think people, because they're cute, people think they're going to be amazing, but they're just kind of, they're good. They're really hard to make. I've made them. You have oh. to make like meringue and then like, ugh. but the, I like, I like the classic flavors like rose and stuff, but I feel like it's more like an afternoon tea sort of thing rather yeah. than something you just eat as a snack. Like it needs something with it. It died, actually, the pastry talk. The pastry, the pastry talk. talk. We'll change the podcast name to pastry all the way through. I'll have it. I'll, pastry cast. Love. That probably exists already. That's too obvious. I'm offended you didn't mention Herbert's Bakery. Where's Herbert's then? I just, I, 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 I cycle. I've heard it's good. I might try it. I'm trying to think of what the third one is because it's going to drive me nuts because loaf is actually my number three, but I was like, I should say loaf because it's close to the gym. There's a third one. It's just gone. That's so upsetting. It's okay. The chain ones then, they're like Parsons or something like that. Parsons is pretty good. Like, it's not expensive, which is what makes it great. And they used to have cheap iced coffee. Their cheap iced coffee was good, but it but it's ex it's expensive in Clifton yeah, and cheap in somewhere else. <laughs> it. Does no, I, I had this. <laughs> there was an extensive iced coffee review, like it's Atlas, so on my Instagram good. highlights. It's so good. Okay, yeah. so here's a question for you. As you just found out there, I'm not into coffee at in okay. the slightest bit. You don't it's have to be. Amazing. Where do I? St <laughs> okay. Jamie, quiet. <laughs> Back in your box, Jamie. Um, where would I start if I wanted to try and get into iced coffee? What would be your recommendations? I've had friends who, uh, I've got good close friends obviously live in Dallas and uh, they basically just told me to keep on adding creamer until I liked it and it basically turned up to creamer with, so <laughs> with, with, a, with a sprinkle of coffee on top. I was like, I'm just drinking pure creamer here, not even coffee. Where, where would you recommend? There's two, two, two paths. Two paths. <laughs> this is my like. The path to greatness. Paths era. Are you a um, bottom player or a top player? No. <laughs> um, like an iced latte is pretty easy going, yeah. right? Because it's basically just milk, especially if it's a weak iced latte. Because a lot of the places, if they give you a lot of milk and they put a single shot in it, it's basically just milk. Um, maybe that or an iced mocha. People like mocha. They say mocha here, but it's actually mocha. 
okay. back home. And I, every time I order one, I get something completely different. Um, or Starbucks has this thing with like this cold foam. Mm -hmm. And the foam is very nice. So I think you'd like that. All right, I'll give those a whirl for certain. Um, probably we'll wrap it up there. Unless you've got anything else you want to ask me at all or anything else you've like, got anything coming up? or. What do you drink if you don't drink coffee? Shameless plug. Bro. I wouldn't mind a sponsor from it. Everyone hates this stuff, right? No, it's just all right. The thing is, is that um, I'm sure you're, you're aware, obviously, touching on Olympic lifting within the CrossFit world, they all love something called NOCO or NOCO. Have you heard of that? They're like fine, but because they're like no carbs, which is insane if you want to give people energy because you need the carbs, which is why I have the sweets, which I alluded to earlier. Fantastic. For the quick energy. Of food. But they just taste kind of bad. Like, so I, I don't want to be mean to Noco. Like, I actually like the flavors, but because they use sweetener, it, like, whatever sweetener they're using just hits something weird on my tongue. Like, I like the concept, but I think they should have a carbs version Definitely. of Noco. So, the, the thing, my argument with this, obviously, there's no carbohydrates in this, so very, very, very minimal. It's got sodium in, which Nocos don't have. Sodium is really yeah. useful for even trying to transfer carbohydrate into, or glucose into the muscles. Uh, and also, for the same price I buy this, the Noco can's about this. So I'm already yeah. getting less for the same price, and I prefer the flavors. I think Noco flavors are shits at least, but. They have very <laughs> nice looking cans though. They do, they do, I give them that. Um, it's for the gram, for the gram. No, exactly. All right, cool, well, Emily, thanks for being on. Uh, shout outs to sponsors, any events coming up, any, I don't know, have we got an exclusive match that you might be coming <laughs> up for we can grab? <laughs> uh, well, thanks to Grappler Soap, who made this very nice hoodie, which you won't see if you're listening, sorry. Just imagine it. It's on YouTube, it's all good. Um, and then Electrum for continuing to sponsor me with SNC. And then thanks to all my friends and training partners and my coaches and my no, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, I had something I was going to say. It's gone. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Well, thanks very much for being on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've learned a lot. And obviously, I think it will uh, definitely get people thinking about different parts of the jiu-jitsu world, especially from the female perspective as well. Um, yeah, it's been great to meet you, mate. So thank you very yeah, much. Thank you.